Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Here in Hebrews, where we're going to find the clearest declarations of the superiority of Jesus Christ in every way, in all things. He's greater than the old covenant. He's greater than the angels. He's greater than the sacrifices. He is the high priest. He is the eternal mediator between God and man. He is the complete fulfillment of all of the prophecies, the types, the shadows that spoke of that coming Messiah. And although Moses was the lawgiver, Jesus Christ was the fulfiller of the entire law. Today, Pastor David teaches you that Jesus was the Jewish Messiah and that he fulfilled all prophecy and law required. What this means is that Jesus is the great I Am. He is the creator of all things and is the Savior that can make you right with God. Seek Him and you'll find the purpose of all things as well as eternal life. It's important that you do not take Him lightly, for He's the only answer worth seeking. Look to Jesus and place your life in His hands. There is truly nothing greater than He. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Hebrews chapter 1 as he begins his message, The All-Sufficient Sacrifice. invite you, if you would, take your Bibles, turn to the book of Hebrews. We've been going, uh, this, uh, this process of going through the Bible in one year. Uh, there are some of the books that I've just recently taught on, like First uh, and Second Thessalonians, as well as uh, uh, several others that I'm not going to do during this series. So actually, we're jumping from what we did, the prison epistles last week. We're jumping uh, over to Hebrews, and I invite you to turn there. Well, as you guys know, in this whole uh, series that we're doing, there's no way that we can cover in depth the books that we are going through. And so likewise, for the book of Hebrews, we're going to try and get through it uh, all in, in one setting tonight. And believe me, it, it is a major thing to try and get through the book of Hebrews because it is so rich of a book. One of the things we know about Hebrews, Hebrews is a mystery. It's a mystery, not not the content of the message, but actually the, the author and who exactly the original audience was. There's a lot of speculation about who wrote Hebrews. There's a lot of folks that would say, without a doubt, they would stand literally toe-to-toe to defend their belief that it's the Apostle Paul that wrote the book of Hebrews. As a matter of fact, some of my best friends believe that it's Paul that wrote Hebrews. Uh, my wife is one of those, and uh, again, uh, that's just her belief. We... Um, 
again, we, we don't know for sure. But when you look at the depth and the understanding of the Old Testament passages and the Jewish culture, it's easy to understand that. And uh, those that believe that it's the Apostle Paul that wrote Hebrews, actually, they're in pretty good company. According to the Bible Knowledge Commentary, uh, Clement of Alexandria thought that Paul had written it. He felt that he wrote it originally in Hebrew and that perhaps Luke then translated it into Greek. Uh, Origen, though, he doubted Paul's authorship, but he wasn't willing necessarily to push or fight on that hill. As a matter of fact, he made a statement that, in essence, he admitted that only God knew who wrote that book. Uh, Jerome and uh, Augustine, uh, they seem to believe also that, that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. And uh, one of the things that uh, I believe it was uh, Augustine wrote uh, that, again, it, it's got to be understood that Hebrews, when it's read in Greek and compared with the known letters of Paul, the total impression is, is there one meets a spiritual mind that was clearly attuned to Paul, but in subtle ways, quite different. So that ought to settle it for you, right? So uh, actually, there, there's one other. Uh, the Bible Knowledge Commentary uh, says actually the only other viable one that they're looking at that, that may have read it, uh, written the book is actually Paul's uh, former missionary partner, Barnabas. Um, that tradition actually goes back to about 160 AD. And uh, one particular passage that uh, Tertullian uh, from the uh, second century wrote, he quoted from Hebrews, and in that quote, he assigned the quotation as an epistle by Barnabas. And uh, he, he didn't talk uh, as if that was his own opinion. He just pretty much said it uh, as fact, and there it is. So the fact is, it doesn't really matter who wrote the book of Hebrews. That when we come right down to it, doesn't really matter. Because we look at the book, the message of the book is what's important. The message of the book, its place in the canon of the scriptures, uh, all that's been long solidified, it is part of our New Testament uh, scriptures. And what about the audience? Now, Hebrews is one of those uh, books that uh, it doesn't say under the church at uh, wherever or whoever. It doesn't say to... Uh, Billy Bob, my beloved uh, companion and co-worker in the Lord, he doesn't say anything. Uh, but what we do have is right at the very beginning, the very first, first couple of verses, just a powerful declaration, uh, again, speaking of the fact that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the entire focal point of, of, of this whole book from beginning to end. Look what it says. Hopefully you've got your Bibles. You're open to Hebrews chapter one. Now again, uh, here's the ground rules for going through these, uh, the, the Bible in a year. We're only gonna hit some of the passages as we go along. That means you're gonna have to be kind of quick when you turn. Also, I am not going to be using your favorite passage out of Hebrews probably. Uh, I might, but just figure I may not. Uh, I've had people come up and say, oh, you missed this? I know I can't hit every one. Okay, so Hebrews chapter one, look at verse one. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of how many things, church? All things. And through whom he also made the world's. Now, with that introduction, as long as a host of other clues that we find throughout Hebrews, uh, a lot of folks see that the direction of this book is actually being focused 
to Jewish believers and most likely to the Jewish believers that are still living in the area of Judea. One of the heaviest points of evidence that we find is this continual reference to the Jewish sacrificial system, uh, the preeminence of Christ over that sacrificial system. Also reference that we find to many of the early fathers of Judaism that we find in chapter 11. Now, you need to understand that these Jews of that first century, when this was written, they weren't new to the understanding and the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. Even though this book was written about 30 years after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, there were still Jews, many of them, who had either seen Jesus, had uh, seen, uh, seen him after the resurrection, uh, as we find uh, in the word there, they, they've tasted of the heavenly gift because they've, they've probably heard or they've seen some of the miracles themselves. And apparently, uh, because of the depth of and, and the areas that we cover in this book, some of them had fallen away, fallen away from faith, either due to the persecution or they returned to the sacrificial system of that old Mosaic uh, law. And so that's what a lot of Hebrews is dealing with. Many of these Jews, they were still steeped in the rituals. They were, they were, they were still tied into the regulations of the Old Testament. And they may have been persuaded by, by what Paul called the, the Judaizers to, to keep all of these laws in order to complete or hold on to their salvation. And essentially, these were the Jewish Christians who would... Uh, they would they, they wouldn't quite separate themselves from the law. They still tried to keep the sacrifices, um, either because it was so tied into their own psyche or because of persecution that they would have from the other Jews in the area. They were still so used to the system, they had a difficult time ending those customs they had been raised in them, and it's not too unlike an individual that's raised in a, a a very traditional, very structured, very formal style of a church, and then they move from that, and they feel a little bit more freedom in in worship or in in, in style or whatever, and and it's just, they 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 miss that they're going back to it. I I can understand where these Jews, many who keep being pulled back to this, but what the writer of Hebrews is, is no, you need to understand, you need to move forward and away from the old sacrificial system. Now, we'll move on in a a moment, but for right now, jump over to chapter 3. Now, uh, just as you peruse chapter 3, you're going to find in there, there's this dire warning that the writer gives about not turning away, not hardening your heart. And it was a fear that those that were under such great persecution, that they were literally going to turn their back on Christianity and return to Judaism. And we find actually that kind of a warning all throughout the book, as well as the encouragement for them. No, you need to remain in the faith. Chapter 6 actually gives the warning that if someone were to fall away, well, there's, there's no other means of repentance. There's no other sacrifice that could be made for that person. Uh, you cannot crucify Christ again. We're going to look at those when we get there in, in the study tonight. 
Now, although the letter may have been intended originally for the believing Jews in Judea, we, we know that his message, man, it's still powerful, powerful for today. It touches our lives today. When we read through it, we're blessed by the message of it. And again, I believe it's been received by the church from, from the very beginning. It's here in Hebrews where we're going to find the clearest declarations of the superiority of Jesus Christ in every way. In all things, he's greater than the old covenant. He's greater than the angels. He's greater than the sacrifices. He is the high priest. He is the eternal mediator between God and man. He is the complete fulfillment of all of the prophecies, the types, the shadows that spoke of that coming Messiah. And although Moses was the lawgiver, Jesus Christ was the fulfiller of the entire law. In Hebrews, we find that the sacrifices offered by the Levitical priests, they were just temporary at best, but Christ, as our high priest, offered himself as sacrifice once for all. And when we look at that phrase, once for all, it's actually, we're we're gonna find that all throughout uh, uh, the book of Hebrews. Again, it's a reference to that sacrificial work of Christ. Um, it speaks of Christ as our high priest. Here we go. Here's the Bible drill right now. A, uh, Hebrews chapter seven, look down in verse 27. I'm not gonna wait for you all. If you wanna write them down, that's good, or you can turn really quick, and uh, we won't do like the vacation Bible school drills where you, they, they used to stand, didn't they, Ira? When they'd find it, they'd stand, and say, but we're not gonna do that tonight. Uh, I'll, I'll speak the verse for you. I'll make it easy. Hebrews chapter seven, verse 27. Did I ramble along long enough for you to find that one? Okay, I was kind on that one. Okay, speaking of Christ, who does not need daily as those high priests, to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sin and then for the people's. For this he did, Christ did, once for all when he offered up himself, once for all. That once for all also speaks of Christ's offering as the only complete sacrifice. Turn a couple of pages to Hebrews chapter nine, look down in verse 12. Hebrews nine, verse 12. Says there that again, he came not with the blood of goats and calves, But with his own blood, he entered the most holy place, and again, once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. And again, that eternal redemption, obtaining that for those who believe, those who come to faith in Christ. He speaks of the eternal strength, uh, the the power of his sacrifice. Hebrews 10, just uh, cross the page or one page over. Hebrews 10, look down in verse 10. By that, by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And still in chapter 10, look down at verse 12, speaking again of the power of Christ as our sacrifice. But this man, speaking of Christ, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, in other words, once for all, he sat down at the right hand of God. And from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever. So one offering forever, once for all, those who are being sanctified. 
One of the other things that we find as a common uh, course all through the book of Hebrews is the word or the idea of better, that his sacrifice is, is better, and he is better. Flip back over to Hebrews 1, Hebrews 1. Look down in verse 4, Hebrews 1, verse 4. Again, speaking of Christ, it says, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. We could go on in Hebrews 1, and he speaks a lot about the excellency of Christ above the angels. Even though he was made lower than the angels for a while, he took upon himself human flesh, but we'll look at that in a moment. Hebrews 7, flip on over to chapter 7. In comparing Christ to the law, in Hebrews 7 down in verse 19, for the law made nothing perfect. And beloved, that's something that you and I need to make sure that we fully understand. The law makes nothing perfect. The law is what points out our imperfections. Amen? Okay, most of you got that. Some of you are still finding Hebrews 7. Uh, down in verse 19, the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. Again, speaking of the sacrifice of Christ. Look a couple of uh, verses down, verse 22. By so much more, Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant, a better relationship, a better promise. Verse uh, Chapter 8, again, speaking of that covenant of those promises. Chapter 8, verse 6. But now he, Jesus, has obtained a more excellent ministry, inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. A couple of chapters over, chapter 11, near the end, verse 35. Near the end, verse, chapter 11, verse 35. Speaking of women receiving their dead, raised to life again. There were others that were tortured. They, they did not accept deliverance in order that they might obtain what? A better resurrection, the better resurrection, again, coming through Christ. Uh, just a little bit further down there, Hebrews 12. Let's skip over to verse 24. Hebrews 12, verse 24. Speaks of to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. All that Christ has done is better. It is once for all. And one of the other things that we see, it is perfect, perfect. Now, along that same lines, 14 times in Hebrews, the word perfect is written out in, in one tense or another in the Greek. We're not going to look at all of them. And I'm just going to tell you, Hebrews 10, 14 speaks about the fact that Jesus perfected forever them that are being sanctified, perfected forever those that are being sanctified. Well, pastor, what exactly does that mean? That it's not my perfection, it's not my ability, it's the blood of Jesus Christ, it's the sacrifice of Christ that brings about that perfection, and that perfection is forever. And again, Hebrews tells us that. Now, actually, as we open the book, we're gonna go through it chapter by chapter, 
And we're going to find, uh, I think, all of these themes jump out at us, and it's going to help us to make more of a general sense of what the Holy Spirit of God is desiring to communicate through this writer, whether it's Paul or Barnabas or whomever it might be. So back to chapter 1, let's take a look at it. In some of these, we're just going to speak generally. Others, will actually look at particular verses. In chapter 1, here we would find, if we went through uh, all the 14 of the verses, God is speaking now to man, to you and I, in a, in a different way now than, than what he had in the past. In the past, the prophet says, he is coming, he is coming, he is coming. Now Christ has come. Now he speaks to us through Christ. He is doing it through the message and, and the life of his son, Jesus Christ, being, as the word tells us here, the express image of his father there in verse three. Verse three tells us also that it was Jesus Christ, the son of God himself, who purged our sins and sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Verses 14, or verses four through 14, again, speaks of him being far superior to the angels. Verse five speaks about, you know, to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son? Uh, in verse six, uh, he again, he brings up the fact that he is the firstborn into the world. And that idea of firstborn is first in honor, first in position. He's the first resurrected from the dead. Verses eight through nine speaks about his divinity. Look what he says there. To the son, he says, your throne, O God. Jesus Christ was God in human flesh. Your throne, O God. Verses 10 through 12 speaks of his eternality, his, his, his eternal uh, essence. Look at verse 11 says, they will perish, but you remain. Verse 12, they will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will not fail. Again, the eternal presence and, and life and reality of Christ. Chapter 2, here we have the, the warning not to seek any other venue or any other option for salvation. Uh, verse 3 says, how shall you escape if you neglect so great of salvation? Church, you need to understand because the world doesn't and the world is going to come at you. There is no other way. There is no other means of salvation. We hear all the time, well, there's a lot of roads to God. And that's not what the word says at all. As a matter of fact, the word says that there is only one way. And how shall you escape if you neglect so great a salvation? Verses five through eight. Again, uh, he was purposefully made lower than the angels for a short while. And, and, and he, he, he took upon himself the form of a bondservant, Philippians tells us. Uh, he took on human flesh, John tells us in the Gospel of John. He allowed himself to be subject to the issues of the flesh. We see that in all the Gospel writings. Down in verse 9, he did it in order that he might taste death literally for everyone. He, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone at the end of verse 9. Verses 11 through 18, we find that he is that perfect sacrifice because he was human flesh just like us. 
That's why he had to take upon himself human flesh to be the sacrifice for you and I. Look what he says in verse 11. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified, they're all of one. In other words, of flesh and blood. Jesus was flesh and blood. For which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Look down in verse 14. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. That's all we have time to share today, but we're so glad you've joined us. Isn't the Bible a fascinating book to read? There's incredible historical events, crazy scenarios, and a variety of people to keep you intrigued along the way. We hope you'll continue to join us here on The Open Word as Pastor David takes you through the Bible. If what you heard today sparked your interest and you'd like to know more about faith and even who God really is, please contact us. We'd love to talk more with you and share some even more incredible news about your future and the one who can change it, Jesus. Give us a call at 520-836-9676. Again, that's 520-836-9676. If social media is a part of your life, you can connect with us there too. Come like our Facebook page and keep up to date with what's happening at The Open Word and Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. You'll find a link to our website, theopenword.com. Would you like to hear more messages from this series? Here's Pastor David to tell you how. Thanks, Chris. You know, any time you spend in God's Word is valuable, and I'd like to encourage you to do it as often as possible. I know busy schedules can make that hard, but being able to listen to it could just change all that. All of the messages I've shared from the Bible here on The Open Word, they're available to you to listen to online at theopenword.com. Feel free to download them and even share them with anyone you think would benefit. That website again is theopenword.com. Thanks, Pastor David, and thank you for tuning in to The Open Word. Make us more and more.